liberty lockdown please scan your barcode your liberty ain't gone but yeah it's on hold where did it come from and where did it go it requires a fight not tweeting from your phone don't need a king get him off the fucking throne if you're riding with the thought you've always got a home the virus is scared of will come and it'll go the government knows this don't get treated like a hoe Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Liberty Lockdown. I have a very special guest with me today. She has been uh, tearing up the YouTube scene for a couple of years now. Mrs. Ashton Birdie. Welcome in. Hi. Thank you for having me. <laughs> good, to, good to meet you. I, uh, I, I just saw you on Instagram a few months ago, and I was like, anarchist girl. Amazing. <laughs> I mean, I know that's, that's terrible, but that's what most simp dudes do anyways. It's, you know that's, that's the majority of your audience, right? Um, so. Yeah, pretty much. I'm pretty sure you're famous for having boobs. Like it's it's a it's a known fact that like if you're female, like politic, wow, take exactly. my money. Exactly. It's very yeah. it's very easy. So I was like, need to have her on my show, obviously. Um, so <laughs> thank, shout out to Jose Galison for for making it happen. Um, so yeah, I, let's start with a little bit of your background for those that aren't familiar, aren't familiar. Uh, we talked a little bit before the show, but uh, I know that you went anarchist. Then you went MAGA to try and uh, end the wars and things like that. And then you ended up back at anarchist after you realized that, you know, Trump wasn't going to get shit done. Um, but it's yeah. I've, I thought it was interesting that you were inspired by Alex Jones. So give us just a little bit of the background. Um, yeah, it's just basically the same spiel I pretty much give everyone. When I was 13 years old, I played a little too much World of Warcraft. And I found Alex Jones through a forum on World of Warcraft. Somebody posted a link. And I just remember, like, clicking on it. And there was, like, this old, like this dude just screaming into a camera about the police and how the cops are horrible people. And he's just so angry. And I remember thinking as a kid, like, this guy's angry about everything. I love this man. I want to be this man. And so that sort of like led me down the rabbit hole of uh, George Bush and Obama and everything. And later on, when I was in high school, I got really involved with Occupy Wall Street. I protested San Diego. Mind you, I got in trouble for skipping a few days of school uh, protesting SeaWorld. But, you know, it was worth it. Um, you know, I used to get attention all the time, but my, my principal hated me. I used to debate my teachers on everything. And I actually had a YouTube channel originally uh, before the one I have now. But my parents were like, you're applying to colleges. If they see this YouTube channel where you're talking about how the school system is trash and how police are horrible people and all this stuff, you're not going to do so well, like getting into schools. You know, my parents are really gung ho about me getting into a good school. My mom's an Ivy League person, so you know I, it, it was a big deal to my parents. So I deleted my original YouTube channel, went to college, uh, identified as libertarian because you know that seemed like the more Soft the more mature it. the more mature version of anarchist, if you will. And then uh, the MAGO movement happened. I was like, well, this is the guy. He's gonna free Ross Ross Ulbrich. He's gonna free Snowden. He's gonna free Assange. He's gonna remove us from the Middle East. Everything's gonna be peachy keen like this is like the official guy like this is the new ron paul and man was that just a disappointment i mean <laughs> i love ron paul i've been i've been a ron paul supporter since i was a kid like i was one of the youngest ron paul advocates at like age like 16 13 i was the biggest ron paul supporter and um the fact that like the fact that so many people like myself supported Trump on false campaign promises, which is like I should have known better. Every politician makes false campaign promises. But I mean, this guy just really put us the ringer. I mean, sending missile strikes into Syria every single year. I mean, like it was the same time of year every time. I mean, it was like Christmas for John Bolton. Oh, February, March, time to send more missiles into Syria. 
it was just absolutely chaotic. Yeah, well, that I actually kind of a similar uh, feeling about Trump. I was like, well, he's a politician, so I don't trust him. I think this is this is something that comes with age, is a level of jadedness where you're just like, mm-hmm. yeah, I've seen this before. I mean, Trump was unique, but I've seen politicians that talk a good game. So I, my hopes were elevated ever so slightly simply because the media hated him so much. I was like, all right, if the media hates him, maybe he'll actually do some things that I'll like because um, that's mm-hmm. kind of how it works. Uh, turns out the media hates him and he doesn't deliver anything that I really want. So, <laughs> Well, uh, you know, I, I have my theories on like Trump winning and a lot of people say it was a miracle that he won. And, you know, I am a firm believer that we haven't had the choice in who's president since 1913. If you know your history, you know what I'm talking about, what happened in 1913. I don't think we've had a choice in president. I think either Woodrow Wilson was the last choice or maybe he was the first president to be chosen. Yeah. Um, but I think they let Trump win in, in 2016. And here's the reason why I think that you can't prove to a population that the, the world, that the, the American people are run is run by a dictator. You can't convince the American people that it's run by racism and, and uh, bigotry after eight years of Obama. You just can't. You can't convince the American people that after eight years of Obama that they are run by racism, that they're run by a bigot, that they're run by a sexist. You just really can't. Obama was like literally put on a pedestal like no other. He was on every single like talk show host. Uh, he was on, you know, I remember as a kid, I was like, Obama's constant. That was my biggest like red flag about Obama. Like this guy's constantly like on a talk show all the time. He's never in the White House. He's basically a celebrity, which is sort of like my sort of wake up call to how bad Obama really was. Um but I think Trump was chosen on purpose because they had to like choose a bad guy. They needed a villain for at least one term hmm. to make people think that their democracy was under a th- was under threat. Which you, know, as we all know, democracy isn't always like the best decision. Um, either way, you can't convince people they're living under a dictatorship after eight years of Obama. So what do they do? They put Trump on a pedestal, twist his words around, push him to the media as this horrible, evil villain, and then you give him a term, and then you kick him out. Well, I would I would buy that thesis except for the fact that I do not be, I believe that the Clintons are part of the um, the higher echelon of mm-hmm. you know globalist politics, and I don't believe for a second that Hillary would allow herself to be the fall guy to Trump because it so tarnished her legacy. I'm gonna be honest here. I think there's someone much more dangerous in charge. Oh, I, I grant Clintons, you that. Than Trump, than all of these people. Because yeah. here's if you remember. The Trump family and the Clinton family were best friends. Okay, I think there is something much larger going on beyond Trump, beyond Biden, beyond Clinton, oh, yeah. beyond any of these people. I don't think the president actually does anything. I don't think the president actually makes decisions. You're speaking my so language, sister. Let's get I, the tinfoil hats like... on. I'm with you. <laughs> the, the, the the president, I feel like, and this is my theory before anyone gets mad at me, is a figurehead. It's no different than the Queen of England, right? So at the end of the day, there's someone else making decisions, and a lot of these decisions are already pre-planned. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah, I grant you all of that. I just think that the, there are still power brokers that they want their esteem, their prestige, they want to look good, and it's just like the last person. Like if they were going to put up someone as the fall guy for Trump, mm-hmm. I, it's just stunning to me that it would be Hillary because she is. She is deep within the inner workings of the sanctum, you know, the political power. I don't sanctum. think she's the top dog. You know what I'm she, saying? No, I she's think not. she's evil. No, I she's think not. she's yeah. evil. I think she's a demon. 
but I don't think she, I feel like who's ever in charge of everything, we don't hear about in the public eye. I, I agree. I don't even like think we know their names. The I don't even think we know their names. Like the people that really run shit. I, mean, uh, I think we can name a few names, but you know. Not without if I'm being honest here, Rockefeller, <laughs> J.P. Morgan, who, whoever's running that whole show. Basically, I think the banks are in charge of everything, if I'm going to be completely honest. like, yeah. Well, it makes sense. I mean, that's... The Rothschilds have been our president since 1913. Like, right. and I get it. Yeah, they're British. They're a British bank, whatever. Oh, I think that's but probable, though. They've been, they've been our president for quite some time. Yeah, well, I mean, they've been deciding it for sure, which is basically the same thing. Yeah. And I, it's, I mean, Biden's the best example ever of how much of a vacant figurehead the American presidency is. Like, Biden's incapable of, of implementing anything, but they are implementing a lot. They are actually mm -hmm. accomplishing, I think, beyond their wildest dreams of what they, they had hoped for. Um, and he's just he's just a empty vessel for them to funnel in neoliberalism and in my opinion fascism at a at a breakneck uh well neoconservatism and neoliberalism are essentially the exact same thing right I grant you that yeah they're the exact same thing the, the two-party system is feeding two different parties the two-party system only exists to make us think voting has like a, a difference in anything right i don't think voting actually changes anything i think the idea that i can walk into a voting booth and basically choose which person's going to speak for me and tell me how i'm going to live my life that to me is sick. That to me is basically handing over my rights. Like, and even the Libertarian Party case, I love Ron Paul. I wish Ron Paul at one point was president. But I look at people like the Mises Caucus. I love them. I love the Mises Caucus. I really do. But I like what they stand for. I love what Ron Paul stands for. But I still don't believe in voting for someone to basically speak for me. Sure. Again, I love Ron Paul. I love the Mises Caucus. But again, it is sort of defies my belief there should be no government and no one should govern over me right mm -hmm. yeah so even if i like truly believe in something truly like agree with someone on something i still don't believe in being governed by anyone or anything if you love playing fantasy football but struggle to find the right resource to help with your research the guys at football insider edge have you covered whether you are a season-long player focused on DraftKings or FanDuel contests or just like to make the occasional wager or kick your friend's ass at the local fantasy league each week on a couple of games, Football Insider Edge provides you with the research tools and in-depth analysis to take your game to the next level. With their proprietary model, matchup charts, and industry award-winning content, the team at Football Insider Edge have devoted themselves to educating their subscribers, helping them improve their play, and in a few special moments, winning life-changing money. They are proud of this community that they've built through weekly interactions on their Slack channel and take great pride in helping others to achieve their goals of becoming better fantasy players. As supporters of this show and of the Liberty Movement as a whole, they are currently offering you a 20% discount on any monthly or full season plan on their website. Just go to footballinsideredge.com and use the code LIBERTY at checkout to take advantage of this discount offer today. Again, go to footballinsideredge.com and use the code LIBERTY at checkout. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I agree with you. I, I am of the uh, defensive voting camp. So mm -hmm. it's not that I'm going to vote for the lesser of two evils. I'm going to vote for someone who I think would actually do my bidding if they would ever get power. And they just always lose. Um, so mm -hmm. so that's, that's who I vote for. If there's a great libertarian candidate, I'll vote for them. If there's not, I won't vote at all. That's just how I do it. But I don't I don't hold it against. I mean, I'm an ANCAP myself, but I'm also a mm -hmm. Mises, Mises caucus um, advocate to some extent. 
So you know, oh, like, yeah, I love the Mises Caucus. Like That's like Dave, the one thing I if really. If Dave runs, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to support him because I, yeah, I think Dave. Smith I do is love just Dave, like... but here's the thing. Again, it just it sort of goes against my my, my support. For example, old people. When I was living in D.C. back in my MAGA days, old people would come up to me like, "When are you running for office?" And it's like. That's the thing that always sketched me out. I was like, why would I want to become a politician? I hate them. Mm-hmm. Why would I want to become a politician? I hate them. And like old people, I, I specifically say old people because it's always the old rich, old like the rich old ladies at Trump Hotel who like want to throw their money at you if you just say, yay Trump, you know? I would be in like Trump Hotel. I would just be like, I'd be just saying basic ideas about guns and no taxes. Right. And like old people would just freak out. Like, oh my gosh, you're so amazing. It's like, yeah, you haven't heard my me speaking on war and the environment yet, so don't get too excited, lady. You know, or, what the, I'm or the cops. Where were you really? Or living? the cops. I mean, you know, I I have said some things. For example, I, I had I did have a video where basically um I sort of point out the hypocrisy of like Antifa calling the cops on me at one point, and I have you know I I have tiptoed around you know the Blue Lives Matter stuff only because I feel like my old videos sort of. To be quite honest, I feel like looking back at my old videos, I, I, I talk about this a lot. A lot of my old videos, I feel like I was sort of playing a character. And what a lot of people understand is there was a lot of people surrounding me that sort of whispered in my ear a lot and had a lot of control over, like, what I represented. Um, but, you know, the, but the thing is, I always seem to go back to my anarchist uh, life because the thing is, I always talk to, like, these Blue Lives Matter types. And even back in my Trump days, the cops just being an example when I was in Berkeley and all those riots were going out, when I was living in Berkeley and attending UC Berkeley, and the riots were going out. The cops didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. The cops were literally watching us battle off the Antifa. People were getting their heads smashed in with bike locks. And the cops were standing on the side with their shields and their batons and weren't doing anything. And I remember thinking to myself, guys, does no one else have a problem with this? And all the people in Trump hats were like, Thank you for your service, officer. Thank you for your service, officer. I'm like, what service? They didn't do anything. <laughs> they didn't do anything. It was just the craziest thing to me. I remember I would I would occasionally make excuses for the cops every once in a while. But just the back of my head was like, they're doing their quote unquote job, but it doesn't mean doing their quote unquote job is okay. Mm-hmm. And I just remember thinking to myself over and over and over again, like... <laughs> You know, I, I sort of always knew that I was sort of going down like this rabbit hole that I didn't really want to be going downhill. But it was it was I was also going through a, a bunch of other stuff with my family and whatnot. And I felt like the Trump movement was like sort of like my new family in a way, which, you know, that that goes into a whole level of Charles Manson, you know, craziness. But we're not going to go fully into that. Um, that sounds yeah, interesting. I, well, no, I mean, I mean, I'm going to be completely honest. When I tell people that Trumpism is a cult and that MAGA was a cult, I am not, you know, being over dramatic like yeah. it's really a cult and it's so funny to me how like every single maga pundit is waking up to this okay fog city midge alex jones myself um everyone yeah. they're all waking up to all this stuff like yo like why are we still supporting this man who has literally done nothing for us like he didn't pardon anyone from january 6th he still took us into several you know he still sent strikes into the middle east he didn't pardon uh, Julian Assange or Snowden or Ross Ulbrich. He also Why are he also this he guy? also put Fauci in charge, which was responsible for the lockdowns. He's also and he's promoting vaccination. He's also responsible for Operation Warp Speed. He brags about it regularly. I mean, uh, on on many fronts, he has gone mm-hmm. against his base 
and his base has not really held him accountable. So I'm I'm very grateful to see that some people that did support him are starting to turn because it's well, much well, deserved. You know, I stopped supporting him a couple of years ago. I only officially announced it a few weeks ago. But I just remember the amount of hate I got just for saying, just for burning a Trump. I mean, I had to. I had to. It was the funniest thing I think I've ever done. Burning a Trump hands, roasting marshmallows on. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> but, you know, my audience, I was surprised that the, you know, I was surprised that they were surprised because I was kind of, you know, pushing against Trump for a couple of years now. And it was just funny to me that, like, they reacted so angrily. Mm-hmm. But it's like, really? Like, I, I'm surprised he still has a base. I really do not understand how he could still have a base of supporters. You have to be completely brainwashed to think that he was a good president. I think most of his supporters were brainwashed. And, uh, <laughs> and, and because it's a cult, what that mm-hmm. makes you is an apostate. There's nothing worse than an apostate when it comes to a religious cult. Because mm-hmm. an apostate is someone who believed and then fell away from God. God being yeah. Trump in this situation. So... Um, that's the reason you're going to be held um, up to the pyre. You know, you're you're basically yeah. the, the witch to them. So I'm I'm sure the the backlash has been severe. I hope that um, in time people start to realize what you've now seen and and mm-hmm. declared is that Trump did not do your bidding. He didn't do what we had what we had dreamt him to do. So mm-hmm. it's uh, it's time to move on politically, as far as I'm concerned. And and I think that, you know, DeSantis is the logical next um, standard bearer for conservatism. What, what's your opinion on him? I like DeSantis. And like, as somebody who like has moved to Florida and like actually is Florida based now, I do like him. I think he's great, but it doesn't change the fact I don't believe in governances whatsoever. No, I know, <laughs> it doesn't I know. change the fact that I don't believe in people not telling me what to do. Um, I like DeSantis. I like him. But at the same time, it's like, he's a politician. No, of course. No, and Um, and he's he's terrible on war, and he would be a fucking warmonger and and neocon type uh, in that regard. So, like, I'm not advocating for the guy. I'm just saying he mm -hmm. seems like the obvious uh, replacement for Trump. He's got kind of a cult of personality about him. He's a strong man. He defends people's rights in a meaningful Mm -hmm. way. Um, So for that reason, I think that if Trump doesn't run, DeSantis will likely be the candidate, but again, I don't think Trump's going to run at all. I think he's done. I think he recognizes that everyone's pissed off with him mm-hmm. in some way, in some form. I think he's just tired, honestly. I think he tried. I think he's done. I think he's, well, he's just also like, oh, seventy-five crap. years old. I mean, like, it, it, I mean, how old's Joe Biden? He how old's Joe Biden? Like seventy-two? Se- no, I think he's seventy-eight. Joe Biden age? Am I really? Yeah, seventy-eight. You're right. Yeah. He an old man. Yeah, and and you saw him fall off a cliff. Why do we keep electing 75-plus-year-old men for president? Because you have to have been in politics for decades so that <laughs> so that you are known to be a— you are known I mean, entity Trump wasn't either, and, an and he's still an old entity. man. Yeah, that's true. But if, you're, if your theory's right that he was put in for a purpose, then— Mm-hmm. Then maybe that's why. Cause yeah, they, you're right. You're right. Enough dirt on the guy. I don't know. I mean, I, the thing that bothered me, or the the reason that I had some faith in Trump, is because they they went out to destroy him in a way that was so personal, and that made me feel as if he couldn't be an insider. Because I mean, they demonized the guy like he was. I mean, they'll demonize KKK. insiders all the time. They will demonize insiders all the time. And think about it. We constantly, att- for perfect example, Afghanistan. When 9-11 happened, the first thing we did was say, look at Afghanistan. They're horrible. They're evil. Blah, blah, blah. And you know what we did? We started making trade deals with them. We made oil deals with them. Uh, We went in and basically reestablished their poppy seed farming. And it just so happens. Who do you think benefited, by the way, 
the most off of opium CIA. coming out of Afghanistan. Exactly. The CIA. I just filmed a video on this today. Yep. Um, at the end of the I might as well tell you that CIA also benefit off the cartels as well. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Boy. I mean, we built the cartels. We pushed for poppy seed farming in Afghanistan. Look, I'm against the war on drugs altogether. But if you honestly think the U.S. government didn't have something to do with pushing poppy seed farming, because Afga the Taliban actually made it illegal to do poppy seed farming because mm -hmm. they didn't think of it as uh, Islamic enough. Yep. They banned poppy seed farming because they wanted to get rid of drugs. As soon as the U.S. government went in there, pushed the Taliban out, they brought back poppy seed farming and pushing for more opiate because they're like, oh, man, this is really ruining the economy here in Afghanistan. We have to bring back opium farming. If we're fighting these people in wars because they're supposedly terrorists and they're supposedly evil for start for causing 9-11 and killing thousands of people, why do we care about their economy? Why do we care about their opium farming? Why are we getting involved with this? Why are we making trade and oil deals with them? Why are we doing this? Yeah, well, I see, I wouldn't say that we were doing it for their benefit, though. I would say that we're mm -hmm. doing it for ours. The CIA needs that cash to funnel to funnel it into their funding of their black ops. So their that, black site projects. Yeah, yeah, that's the same. That's the same shit they did uh, with Iran-Contra, the um, Sandinistas in Nicaragua, like this is what we do. This is what we do. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, I think that the <clears throat> the Clinton family, the reason that they came to p prominence is because as governor of Arkansas, Bill Clinton oversaw the drug trade as it was funneled into uh, to Mina. So mm -hmm. like this, as soon as you're a participant in that, then you are they have dirt on you. You have dirt on them. Then there are then they will allow you to elevate within the perceived power structure. So that's why Bill Clinton mm. became president. That's why Hillary got all this power because they were participants in the dirtiest, darkest aspects of our government. And, yeah. and th this is why I am an ANCAP like you in that I, I mm -hmm. think, well, you haven't said cap, so I don't even want to uh, assert that. Are, are you? Well, the thing is, I'm definitely not an anarcho-communist for right. sure. Right. Um, but I don't really identify as an anarcho-capitalist just because I think it's a little weird to say anarcho-anything. If you're an anarchist, you're an anarchist. If you're an anarchist, you hate the government. You hate sort of any interference. Um, I don't like the corporations because you can't really have corporations without government. You can't have government without they, they sort of go hand in hand. We all know sure, that. Sure. Um, and everyone that I know who is an anarcho-communist, you know, anarcho-communist, you can't. That to me is a really weird word in itself. It doesn't make any sense to me. But they all seem to agree with everything anarcho-capitalists agree. I just feel like these people are the same people. They just don't want to admit it. We all agree the pedophiles should be hung. We all agree the corporations should be burned down. We all agree the government needs to mind its own business and needs to stay out of its lane. Like, I just, I feel like people call themselves anarcho-communists because they want to sound edgy. But, like, if you're a communist, you're a communist. You, you want the government to control. Like, you can't really call yourself an anarcho-communist because that's basically saying that you don't want government interference unless it's your government. Right. You know what I'm saying? But then, then the anarcho-communists argue the same thing against anarcho-capitalists, and they say that, well, you can't believe in capitalism because capitalism requires state force to enforce property rights, and I say, mm -hmm. no, it does not. It requires a willing, armed populace Well, it's like, to have these people property. never heard of the Wild West? I know. It, like, it's not even that long like, ago. Yeah. But, I mean, there was... There was a government there, but still, it could it could be applicable in a real way. I just think it's funny because if you look at people who call themselves anarcho-communists, I have friends who call themselves anarcho-communists. I don't get it. I don't understand why they would call themselves that. But 
it's almost like have you heard the term fiscally conservative or sorry con- fiscally conservative socially liberal sure whenever someone tells me they're anarcho-communist i think to myself so you're a communist but you're socially liberal so like hmm. you know what i'm saying like you want complete government control over like finances but then like people can live like however they want on like a liberal sense socially they think it ends up with uh, starvation and <laughs> bread lines, but they think that's how it works. So, so the thing is, so basically, so basically, if you're an, if you're an anarcho if you're an anarcho communist, right? If you're an anarcho communist, so you basically are starving, but at least you're starving and gay. <laughs> you can you can keep yourself. Fed you're starving. On... You're in a bread line, but at least it's a gay bread line. You can keep yourself fed on all of the dicks. So it's kind of yes. upside. <laughs> Sorry, that was dark. You're in a bread line, but it's a gay bread line. You're in a bread line, but it's a BLM bread line. <laughs> the baguettes are shaped like wieners, so it feels good. Um, <laughs> anyways, I don't know how we got there. Um, so yeah, the the big thing I've been flipping out on over the past uh, week is obviously FDA approval. Like I give a fuck about that of the the jab, mm-hmm. the V, and then. Uh, um, the mandates that are coming down from employers, but are being pushed by politicians. And I believe that we, we currently function under a fairly overt fascist uh, system. What's your Mm -hmm. take on that? Do you think that private businesses have the right to implement this as they see fit or what do you, where do you fall? Well, a lot of these private businesses would not necessarily exist without some sort of government to say, look, if a, if a business does want to say, the business does want to say, hey, you can't come in here without a mask. Maybe you haven't heard, but the government is starting to mandate the V. And what that may that may mean for some of you is that you have to find a different place of employment if you are a principled bodily autonomy type of person. If you're in that position, you have opportunities. As of right now, there are millions of unaddressed job openings that they're not getting enough applicants for. So I would highly encourage you if you want to take that step to go to crash.co forward slash daily and sign up for the daily job hunt newsletter. It's a once daily newsletter that hits your inbox every morning, gives you some inspiration and information on how to be a better job applicant. It's very straightforward. It's just a couple minute read and it's free. There's no excuse. Again, go to crash.co forward slash daily to sign up. And get that job of your dreams. That's when I would say, well, then maybe other small businesses should have the right to exist to push no mask mandates. The problem is, is that we're not allowing that competition to build other small businesses to push no mask mandates. So here's the thing. I do agree. If a business says, hey, you can't come in here without a mask on. Great. The problem is, is that our government is also purposely going out of its way to prevent small businesses from existing to push no mask mandates. Exactly. That's all. That's all I'm saying too. I'm like, I don't know why this is so controversial, but the, uh, and again, like I agree. If Twitter wants to ban people, go ahead. If YouTube wants to ban people, go ahead. But when we make our own social media platforms, why are we banning them from the social servers? Right. Yeah. No, why exactly. are we banning them? Yeah. That's the I thing mean, is they, they continue to tell us make your own apps, make your own social networks, build your own businesses. Well, we did. Yeah. And then you went out of your way to ban them. And well, to take them down. Yeah, not just ban them, but Amazon, you know, basically deplatformed Parler. It's mm-hmm. so it's not we're not functioning in a free market. So applying. Which, by the way, if uh, sorry, I have to do a little plug really quick. Please. If you are having issues with Parler or Gab, uh, I actually heard that Parler was having an issue with um, some censorship issues. 
I'm not going to say anything by here. If you basically speak out against um, Israel, Parlor has a tendency to uh, remove your stuff. So if you guys want to uh, join a site called Float, it is float.app, F-L-O-T-E dot A-P-P. Uh, it is run by a lovely couple based in Texas, and they are also building on cryptocurrency. So do check out Float. Cool. Yeah, I'll check Sorry. it out. No, it's, a little, no, it's a little plug I'm going to do because I actually really do appreciate what these people are doing. <laughs> no, I, I love it. I mean, any any decentralized social media platform is ultimately going to be mm -hmm. the solution to this. The problem is, is that we live in the now and it's tough to mm -hmm. get those things off the ground. It's tough to get adoption. So like we are the way I see it is that we're in this interim period where we had the the gold rush, the wild west of the Internet. You had these dominant um, companies that came out of that, the Googles, the Apples, the Facebooks, the Twitters, mm -hmm. the, you know, there's like eight that are really, they probably have 90 plus percent of all internet traffic. Well, we're also in a current uh, war with information, right? Which is like Clearly. why I think the, the whole reason Joe Biden took us out of the Middle East, we're not from the Middle East, like we're still actually in the Middle East. That's the funny thing. We're still, we're just not in Afghanistan anymore. Oh, okay. We're so all people over the Middle like, East. Yeah. So people say like, oh, Joe Biden took us out of the Middle East. It's like, no, no, the wars are still going on. We just happen to be out of Afghanistan. The whole reason Joe took us out of Afghanistan is basically because there's really no point anymore. Money and war dogs does not matter. Money and war weapons, it does not matter. Where the real warfare is going on, where the real money is, is in information. So the real war dogs right now are Mark Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey. War dogs are basically non-existent anymore. Everyone hates war. Everyone's woken up. Like people are, are post the, pr pr uh, people are done with the whole war dog pro-American pro booing Michael Moore off the stage phase. They're done. Okay, so everyone's kind of woken up to the whole Afghan war situation. The problem is one, we're in the middle of a, of a war on information. Two, we're still in the Middle East. We're not. We're not. The war isn't over. I don't know why people think like, oh, the war is over. And uh, three. When, how do I explain this? How do I explain this? When your president, who is known for being a warmonger in the past and has a crazy obsession with control right now during COVID, takes the military out of Afghanistan, you have to wonder where he's going to put that military. And I think he's going to bring them home to basically dictate us how to live our lives. I think we're going to go full on martial law pretty soon. I really do. I, I, I mean, this is my deepest, darkest fear. And this mm -hmm. is why I, even though I did celebrate the ending of the Afghan war, um, mm -hmm. I saw the same thing you did. I, I, you know, I think that the most optimistic outlook is that they're using it to, to replace the troops, uh, you know, to try and harness China. That's the, that's the optimistic outlook. The pessimistic outlook is that they're using it to harness the American right wing and the libertarians. And, and I think that, you know, time will tell as to, to which. Uh, uh, interestingly, I think that it'll be dictated based off of how hard the right wing and the libertarians rise up against vaccine mandates. And, and if we don't, then it'll probably end up heading I think, towards I China. I think the vaccine mandates made more people libertarian. <laughs> oh, I, agree. I think it really made more people libertarian. But it also, it also made a lot of people that were kind of middle of the road left, um, you know, basically totalitarians like they they want yeah. complete dominance from the federal government and and state governments and i that that's been the most disheartening aspect over the past 18 months for me has just been how prone to supporting unbelievable like dictatorship 
like powers for governors and and now for Joe Biden and and people it's like it's such a mild virus overall it's so it's mm-hmm. i mean it's completely harmless to basically anyone that's healthy and under 60 years old and yet that was adequate to give them in, just immense power Did, were you yeah. were you surprised by it the 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 fact that the american public went along with it as much as they have you know, I was really surprised because I remember when COVID first hit, right? When the whole, when all the videos from China were coming out and I was freaked out. I was freaked out. This is back when like there was body bags in the street of China. Remember when all the videos came yeah, out yeah, like, yeah. like January of 2020? There was body bags in the street. People were collapsing in the streets. I mean, it was scary. I remember freaking the heck out. And I was like, guys, this is insane. And everyone around me was like, it's no big deal. And it's not really happening. Blah, blah, blah. It's whatever. I was freaked out. And then when COVID, you know, came to American shores or whatever, and I saw no one was dying in the middle of the street, I was like, well, shoot, I guess, you know, it's nothing to worry about. The moment, I guess for some reason, I don't know if people have like a weird psychic connection to me or something. The moment I was no longer worried about COVID. Everyone else. Everyone was. around me started freaking out. And I was like, what? The, where were you people? We, we are. Where were you people? I'm pretty sure you and I are the same so hold person. Up. <laughs> so hold up. Hold up. When people were dying, there was body bags piling up in China. No one seemed to care. Right. But as soon as they said, "Oh, a few people are in the a few people who also happen to have kidney disease, cancer, and are the elderly are in hospitals right now," that's when people started freaking out. People are people are fucking strange, man. It, it this is this is what really <laughs> emphasized to me that you know the American people are despite the fact that many have woken mm-hmm. up and many have been red pilled and many start started to see through the propaganda, the vast majority of people still take all of their information from the news and they operate off of that exclusively. Because like you said, February, March, I'm looking at Iran, Italy, China, all these like terrible footage things, which in hindsight, I think we, you and I were being propagandized early on to mm-hmm. make it scarier than it was. Well- can I be honest? I think it actually was a big deal in China when it first hit. And let me explain why. I really do think this virus was made in a laboratory. I mean, it was proven now. It was made in a laboratory. I think it was actually, but what they don't talk about is I think it was actually being made on purpose. Because think about it. The majority of China, the Chinese population is the elderly who are living on taxpayer dollars. They're not working. They're just living on taxes. So what do you do? China has been known to kill off their own people. They have been known to do population control. So I would not be surprised if the Chinese were developing a virus themselves to kill off their elderly population. Because the thing is, if you understand how viruses work, you would know that a virus does not attach itself to an already dying host. They don't, viruses don't attach themselves to the elderly. They don't attach themselves to the already sick. Because they a can't virus, propagate. Exactly. A virus chooses a host that tends to be younger and healthier. When this virus first hit, it wasn't even attaching itself to younger people. If you were under the age of 25, the likelihood of you even getting the virus or even carrying the virus was unlikely. This was the first hit, okay? Mm -hmm. It only attached itself to the elderly and was killing off the elderly. It was unthinkable for you to be the age of 25 and getting this virus at all. Not just not dying from it, but even just getting it or carrying it. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, it's changed since then. It's, it's mutated since then. So, like, if you're 25 or even younger, you, you can get it still. But when this thing first hit, it wouldn't even attach itself to you. So I do think this virus was created in a lab. 
as a way to attack certain kinds of people and kill those key people. I, I have theorized the exact same thing. As you can mm-hmm. tell by the name of my show, Liberty Lockdown, I started my show in May of 2020. So I was mm-hmm. a, a private money mortgage broker, successful entrepreneur. And then because of lockdowns, I could no longer invest capital for my investors because I, I was looking at the economy like, I don't know if they're going to keep this locked down, the economy is going to collapse. I had no idea that they were going to print $10 trillion and bail everybody out and all this bullshit. So anyways... Um, you know, money printer go burr. Oh, hard, hard as hard burr. as fuck. Um, I had no idea that they that they had the political will or the death wish to be willing to do what they've done. So, mm-hmm. uh, point being, I got really immersed in lockdown and COVID and trying to like really understand this. And I, I came to the same conclusion very early on. Like last summer, I came to that conclusion. I was like, this seems intentional because if you if you have a overly elderly population that is draining mm-hmm. the uh, the funds from the government because obviously young people add funds to the government through taxation mm-hmm. old people just are are takers essentially yeah. Would, wouldn't that make perfect sense to try and wipe out the elderly and the infirm like of course it would so that i i came to the same conclusion i got to i got to ask though i don't understand you i don't i don't get mm-hmm. it. i don't get how you got to this uh, why why do you why do you think you think how you think <laughs> Oh, no. Um, I think I was really lucky. I mean, a lot of people used to always like what I would tell people that I'm from Berkeley, California. I was born and raised in Berkeley, California. And people would be like, oh, man, I'm so sorry. I'm like, why are you sorry? Like, sure, it's a liberal hellhole. But at the same time, like if I didn't grow up in Berkeley, California, I don't think I would have like grown up with like an understanding of of Bush and like how the war occurred and like why the war occurred. And I feel like I was really, you know, exposed to that at a very early age i think because like when i was 13 years old i was really socially awkward and no one liked me and so i just spent all of my time on the internet and i just ended up again coming across that alex jones video and then <laughs> i ended up seeing all these tim pool videos of him at occupy wall street and and i think that's the thing is like my parents their source of news is like abc cnn mm-hmm. uh fox news and so me as a kid i was on the internet all the time and so my source of news came from youtube it came from you know finding all these forums i think that's what really sparked my interest as a kid is that i never liked the news because when you think of the news you think oh only old people watch the news but then like as a kid i found like my news through like world of warcraft forums (laughs) and then i found youtube and i saw like on the ground footage of things that were happening occupy wall street and i i started learning about people like ross ulbrich at a very young age and i was the only kid in my class my junior uh my junior class who knew who uh, Ross Ulbricht was, right. who knew who Julian Assange was, who knew who Snowden was. I remember when the Snowden thing first happened and my economics teacher asked us about Snowden, about what we thought about Snowden. And I remember all the kids in my classroom were like, who's that? And my teacher, I remember her talking about how like, and, and just the way she talked about him was like, oh man, this, this guy who basically stole information on the NSA. And it was really interesting. I feel like even when she was obviously at the time a little, you know, a little bit more mainstream media enthused, she did ask us a really important question. She asked, you know, well, what's your opinion on this man? Do you think he is a criminal for, you know, is he is he a traitor to America for taking information, uh, private information, or is he a hero by exposing this information to the public? And I remember that question sort of stirred in my mind for a really long time. And, you know, of course, I was also a very big V for Vendetta nerd. So I was like, ah, oh, man, he's a hero, <laughs> you know. I mean, 
and so it sort of just sparked my my sort of like a, a ability to like will to rebel I guess and I think I've always just naturally been like a huge rebel and I've always like you know been very much against like the system and being told what to do and so I think it just comes with the fact that that's that's just sort of a gradual way I grew up I guess I mean yeah. I also could be the fact that I grew up with a lot of punk rock music I was also a skateboarding kid growing up and you know that also comes with a lot of rebellious tendencies I guess I don't know I've, I've just always naturally been a rebel sorry i've always naturally been a rebel i've always naturally sort of not like the idea of conforming and being told what to do and i think that's just why i am how i am yeah and i well, think i just stuck on the idea of questioning everything so i, I hope you don't mind me asking because the, the reason i asked is because mm -hmm. one you're 10 years younger than me and and you mm -hmm. you see the world the same way i do so i need more people your age to see the world the way i do so i'm trying to figure out how the, uh -huh. fuck, how the fuck you came to be but then also i'm always interested in people's disposition and like yeah. is this is there a biological aspect to this because i'm the same way as you i'm very mm -hmm. rebellious i didn't like I hated authority from a very young age and uh ended up being an entrepreneur because i didn't want to have a boss like everything about me was formulated to be on this path from a very very young age so i just think it's fascinating like the nature nurture argument you know what i'm saying well, I also think the fact that, like, at the time that I was on the internet, like, the internet wasn't really as compromised as it is now. So you got all these kids on TikTok learning certain things. You've got kids, like, who are on Tumblr and, and Twitter. And, like, the way the way the internet functions now is definitely more compromised than when I was, when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. um, so that's a huge aspect of it. It could also be a fact that a lot of the culture is changing. So when I was growing up, punk rock music was like the way of life okay so like i grew up like listening to green day 741 and this is before like green day basically like this is for the music industry got totally compromised mm -hmm. um you oh, know I, so I, listened, I listened to him when i was in middle school so i know green day a decade <laughs> before you even know him so yeah i know yeah um you know uh just but in nwa so like 90s rap is actually where I got my inspiration because that was yeah. that was the real punk rock scene back then because it was like fuck the police and all this shit. So um, yeah, I think it's definitely interesting. But the the point being is that it's just fascinating that you gravitated towards that. And and why do you think it is that you did and your peers didn't? Because obviously they had the same internet, they had the same I, access to that music. I think for a while when I was in high school, especially a lot of other kids my age were definitely more open to it. Um, because of the music they were listening to, because again, we have this natural need to rebel. Um, for example, like when I was in high school, I remember like there was a huge issue with the, uh, the dress code because girls, it was like summertime. It was like springtime and the girls were wearing short shorts and tank tops. And like, I remember the principal, she said over the intercom, ladies, you need to start dressing more appropriately. This is not a beach. And I remember thinking to myself, guys, how funny would it be if we came to school tomorrow and we brought beach balls and lawn chairs and, and <laughs> towels and we all like, oh my gosh, it's the funniest thing ever. Next thing I know, that night, someone like one of my friends started a Facebook group and added everybody in the school oh, to shit. it. The next day, people came in board shorts. They brought beach balls. They brought floaties. They brought lawn chairs. There was like people that wore bikini tops over their t-shirts. Like it was the funniest thing in the world. And I got in so much trouble for it. <laughs> so, oh my gosh. Do you? But I feel like, oh, I feel like people have a natural like need to rebel. They have like a natural need to like protest and say, Hey, you know, uh, you know, we, we don't agree with what you think, but like, yeah. we're not going to listen to what you tell us to do. But I think a huge component to that is also like the college system. Like the public education system is the biggest just punch in the face when it comes to, to you know liberties and individual liberties because 
not only is the public education system basically molding your brain to think the same as everyone else around you, but it's also not teaching you basic life skills. They're not teaching you how to function in the real world. They don't tell you how to pay taxes, how to pay. I mean, to be honest, if I'm teaching my kid how to pay taxes, they say don't pay taxes, um, how to pay a mortgage, how to just basically simple, you know, first aid, CPR, things like that. You know, they don't teach you basic life skills. And when you go into like a counseling office, like, hey, I don't know what I want to do for the rest of my life. They'll tell you to go, go get a degree, go get a college degree. Okay, what do I get a college degree in? What do you like? Well, I like art. Okay, get an art degree. They'll literally tell you that. If they don't talk about how a plumbing job can pay super well, they don't talk about how a mechanic job can pay super well because a lot of mechanics and plumbers make three times as much as most college graduates. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they don't want to tell kids that. They don't want to tell us that. So I think the public education system is the biggest slap in the face in the world. I think when these kids go off to college, they lose that rebellious instinct because they, they almost like they want to feel like they're rebelling, but really they're conforming in their own mask of rebelling. I, I, guess. I agree. I and I think that's the most sinister aspect of it is that they have managed to use that rebellious instinct to advocate mm -hmm. on behalf of statism. That's really sinister because they get the young people in the street going, we need universal basic income and we need uh, nationalized health care and you know, all this shit. And like, all we need it. a new we need a new green deal to protect the trees when it's like okay then how come if we if you really if your biggest concern is the environment why don't you talk about the fact that we're really tearing down our own forests to build hoas sure why don't we talk about what's actually happening here in america or better yet why don't we talk about how we're consistently paying off china and india to make cheap products yeah or or the fact that the u.s military is the number one polluter on earth if you're really concerned yeah. about the environment like there's so like, they, we don't need to pay more money on top of already the money we're spending to not get anything done. Let's be honest, the new Green, the, the new green Deal is not going to do anything. No. You actually want to do something, cut down our military spending. You actually want to do something, cut down our spending in general. Just yep. no taxes at all. Go live in the forest. You want to help the environment? Go live in the forest. <laughs> Take care Stop living in cities and suburbia. Is that an idea? <laughs> well, there, and again, back to the reason I asked you about, uh, you know, how you got to feel like this at your age. Are there many... Are there many others like you? Give white pill me here, Ashton. Tell me, tell me that there's more people like you. I'm trying to find them. <laughs> okay, so there's not a ton, but I mean, you had an audience. I mean, Pork Fest was really fun. Pork Fest was really fun. Are there any like? See, those are those are Mises Caucus people. Those are your people. Th those are right, my people. But are there any? I I went to a, a Young Americans for Liberty conference, and I was kind of hoping to get a better outlook of it. But, Were like, you at Yale Orlando two weeks ago? I was. I there. was. I was. I there was. Too. Oh, shoot. Were you? Yeah. I, I was the girl who kept calling Cato a bunch of bitches. Nice. Good job. Oh, my God. It was like, it was kind of like a, a black pill for me, though, because all the people there my age were kind of like a lot of them were talking about how they liked TPUSA. And I was just like kind of sitting there like, oh, am I at the wrong event? Yeah. No, and then it... I remember going to Cato and I, I asked them a simple question. I'm like, hey, like. I noticed that you read a lot of articles about like mask mandates and like wanting gun control as like a compromise. Like, what's your opinion on this? And they're like, well, and they just looked at me and they go, well, Cato's more surround, Cato surrounds himself more on the idea of free markets. And I'm like, but that's not free market. Mm -hmm. Gun control and mask mandates aren't free market. Like, what do you mean? Right. No, I, that that was probably the more disheartening aspect. I mean, it, it's it's heartening in the sense that all these young people are passionate and and they do 
espouse liberty. I still think mm-hmm. that they're misguided and that they think that it's mm-hmm. going to be a political solution. I'm of the belief that we don't have time for political solutions anymore. I think that ultimately we're going to have an economic collapse that that cascades into a, a societal collapse. And at that point, you know, elections aren't going to save you. I, I think democracy no, voting is voting is it's never, never going to save you. anything. Yeah, I was going to say it's never like, going to save sorry, you. Anyways, I'm but. sorry to the QAnon people, but no one is there's no secret person living on the inside of the Fed who is going to come in on a white horse and save you. I'm no. sorry. It's just not going to happen. And and you're definitely, if you found that shining uh, knight on a white horse, they wouldn't let you vote for him. Okay. It's not, he's not going to get power. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm if pretty. If voting changed anything, they wouldn't be legal. Exactly. I'm sorry. No, you, I, I totally agree. Um, so what, what makes you hopeful? I mean, it, cause I've, I'm, I'm the black pill guy. You got to keep me up. Um, I mean, I think like the best thing we can do is try to like build a community and try to like bring people together. And, and I mean, I think that's the best thing we can do is, is, is sort of just building a community. Again, I'm trying to find a community myself within like the libertarian Liberty community. Um, I really enjoyed pork fest. It was like the best event I've ever attended in my entire life. Honestly, uh, I do. I, I am a little bit black pills on some things, but I do think there's hope, especially like when the government does push for more control the most you're going to get out of that is more people who are like, uh, no, thank you. Because I feel like in a weird, crazy way, COVID sort of made more libertarians. And I feel like in a weird way, the more the government tries to push on us, you're just going to get more people who are pushing back. So I feel like yeah. over time, we're going to start building more and more people waking up. Yep. That's the accelerationist argument is that as things get worse, as tyranny increases, people start to wake up to it and they start to realize, and I, I'm sure mm-hmm. you've experienced this too, that many people, many relatives of mine that were, you know, MAGA type supporters, mm-hmm. um, they started to have a little bit of disdain for the cops out of the, out of the blue. And I was like, Oh, Oh, you don't like it when the cops, you know, shut down your business violently. And... See, they love the cops. And so the cops tell them what to do. Right. Exactly. So, <laughs> so that, that does give me hope. It's also like, I think it's a race, though. It's like, can people wake up fast enough before the tyranny gets so severe that waking up is pointless and you're going to just have yeah. to flee the country? And Are and we this... having like a Wolverines moment where we're just like, are, are, are they going to wake up before, you know, the Russians and the Chinese hit our shores? Or are we going to like go past Red Dawn? Like, what are we going to do here? I know. I know. That's a great that's a great analogy. I, I don't know. I, I mean, do you. What, how do you think it plays out? I mean, if I don't give me your optimistic, give me your realistic. Where Where are we? three years from now? I mean, I would like to be hiding somewhere in the forest where no one can find me. (laughs) You're just as blackfilled as me. (laughs) You're just as blackfilled as me. (laughs) That's exactly what I always say. I just sold my entire real estate portfolio in San Diego and I just traveled across the country. I drove from San Diego to Miami and in between stopping at all these different places, trying to figure out where am I going to hide? That's basically what I was looking for. And I concluded that I may have to go out of the country. I may have to renounce my citizenship. Like I'm really, con- I'm that concerned about the trajectory of things. And, and I, I was hoping that you could tell me to relax. <laughs> <laughs> you may have to like to move to Sharon, Mexico or something. There's no government whatsoever. and Just hide right. in Sharon for a bit. That sounds pretty cool, to be honest. Uh, I remember when the January 6th thing happened and a lot of people that I was surrounded myself with, like, who weren't even there at the Capitol. Like I wasn't there at the Capitol, but a lot of the people that I knew, like actually no, like everyone was with who wasn't even at the Capitol because like they were Trump supporters. They were afraid that like they'd have to like run away from like the FBI or something. It was really funny, but like 
I just remember the reaction of January 6th, even though all of the, like, even like people who weren't at the Capitol, it was just like, they were so afraid because the FBI was just doing such a smackdown on people. It was insane. Mm -hmm. But. Well, let's hope that uh, I, my, all of my hope lies in the right wing. And I know that sounds crazy, but it does. I mean, the, the MAGA folks. um, (laughs) Good luck. I know. I know. I, but (laughs) like, I need 10% of them. That's what I need. I need 10% of them to be really riled up and really believing in liberty because if there's not a meaningful threat against the state, the state mm-hmm. is going to just run us over. And, you know, it's like finding that balance where you're not so big of a threat. Well, well the, the thing about MAGA people, but... though, the problem with MAGA people, though, it's like, I hate the government unless it's my government. You know, I that's know, the know. only problem with them. So it's oh. just like, uh... believe me, I am not deluded. I completely see what you see. I'm just saying. They're the only ones that espouse liberty. The left mm-hmm. has completely abdicated that role. They don't I mean, agree to disagree. You think the I left mean, talks about it? I don't think the right wing does either, though. Oh, come on. There's some. None? I don't think the right wing really cares about liberty unless it's their idea of liberty. Huh. Well, yeah. I mean, Christian conservative liberty. I'm going to be honest Although I guess people can argue on the same way too, because I'm pro-life. But at the same time, you can't really be pro-liberty unless you're pro-liberty of the unborn. Oh, you want to go real controversial? Yeah. I, I actually the I, anarchists who are pro-choice really hate me for that. They I, really hate me for that. Pe- people will but, hate you for that. I mean, no matter where you fall on the abortion uh, debate, people will hate you. Everyone hates me because I fall in the gray area of. I am pro-life. However, I don't want a state, so I don't want state enforcement of that. And I think that it's too much of a gray area for to, if we're going to. Well, you have to you have to ask them that or is it what's considered murder or not. Well, I do think it's murder. I do. But I think it's too yeah. it's too gray area. It'd be like. I don't think it's gray at all. I do. I, how, how would you be able to prove that uh, a, a miscarriage was not an abortion? That's a good point. This is this is why I have an issue with it, because I feel like if if you I mean, there's tens of thousands of miscarriages annually just in the United States alone. You want the government investigating every government to investigate it. I just I I honestly feel like if there was no government, abortion wouldn't even be as promoted as much as it is. Well, I grant you that. Yeah. I mean, as always, you and I are going to conclude that if we just got rid of the state, most of these problems would be would be diminished. Abortion would not exist if it weren't for literally separating communities by race. You think it wouldn't exist at all? Margaret Sanger literally founded Planned Parenthood based on eugenics. Well, I grant you that. I mean, the eugenics movement was enormous in the early 1900s. I just still think that, I mean, there was abortions prior to the early 1900s too. It just was rare and dangerous as fuck. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I I agree. I think that it would, it would not be it would not be as pushed as widely as it is if we weren't pro- without government. I I totally agree. I I think that that's that's a factor of it. I think it's also a, a cultural one. You know, people are, um, you know, they don't they don't value. Also, I feel like to be an anarchist, you have to have a sense of responsibility. Yes. And people who push abortion as much as they do don't have as much of a sense of responsibility as they do. Um, I agree. I totally agree. I know. Also, when you're an anarchist, you recognize that, like, starting large families and, like, raising kids and, like, building that is important. So, yeah, I would say abortion would not be as, no. I I agree. We did it. We fixed the abortion debate. We win. 
Uh, thank you so much for coming on, Ashton. It is A S H T O N B I R D I E. Go uh, search that on YouTube to subscribe to her channel. She's blowing up as usual. Is there any other context you would like people to know about? Uh, I'm on Instagram. That's about it. <laughs> and it's same name, right? Yeah. Jack okay. Dorsey banned me on Twitter. So unfortunately. Sad. I just, uh, I'm about to break 20,000 followers on Twitter. So God willing, God willing, I do not get shit canned. Um, I will also, for those that are listening, I will also be on InfoWars tomorrow morning. So that'll be awesome. That's the first time for me. I'll be doing an entire hour at 8 a.m. live. Thank you so much for coming on, Ashton. It was a blast. Thank you for having me. Thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. About to hit 20,000 followers on Twitter. If you haven't followed me yet, please go to Twitter and enter in Liberty Lock Pod. That's at Liberty Lock Pod to follow. Boom. Blowing up. Thank you guys so much for the support. We got two more five-star reviews. Got Air Jman 3 says, awesome to see people on fire. Hey, Clint, keep up the fight for liberty. It is cool to see your evolution through the show. I'm not a libertarian. I grew up GOP, but find myself feeling more in common with the libertarians. LOL, still learning more, and the future is bright, even if it will be hard fought. And maybe you need to collaborate with Patriot J or something with your music career. Actually, Patriot J are working on a collaboration, so we should have a track out produced by Neocon Remover at some point. I am just waiting for him to lay the verse, so it should be exciting. And he says, another Liberty Zealot, and his handle is at J3Paxton. So make sure you give him a follow. And then we got one more review. Taxes are theft, says Powerful. If you believe in crazy ideas like self-ownership and personal liberty, you'll enjoy this podcast. Clint is right up there with Dave Smith. Thanks for the great podcast. I will not put myself on that level, but if you think I am, that means the world to me. Thank you very, very much for the five-star review, and thank you guys for the continued support. It really means the world to me. I have had a very hard time dealing with the lockdowns, and just from the bottom of my heart, sincerely, you guys have lifted me regularly, and I hope that I can provide you that same level of solace in these tough times. Love you guys. See you soon. Big shout out to everybody that's been with me since Jump Street. Appreciate y'all. Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go? It requires a fight, not tweet from your phone. Don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne. If you're riding with the thought, you've always got a home. The virus is scared of, will come and it'll go. The government knows, just don't get treated like a hoe. Like Nico and Shane, you're probably wondering what's happening. Scared Hollywood left these lyrical feminine. A typo with Luke might bring them nooses. We all bite the bullet, I'm the king of the gooses. Freckles and Brit, didn't know I could spit. Knew I was a patriot, but now I'm a shit. Peter Quinones, invite me on Which podcast sends custom songs Part of the problem, now I stand with the people Dave showed the way, but I am unequal Lions of Liberty, now hear me roar Beat running up, but I got a bit more Robbie the Fire, always running his mouth But I made him a sandwich, now I'm man of the house The malice for Nick, but you're welcome to quit I went over BLM with the fire I spit Friends against government just call us fags Copy the Cairo, put mummies in the bag Liable opinions get thrown on the ground Silky Smooth Tom was the only sound Getting so hot, must be air July Screaming in the mic and rip a 59 Miles to ratio that black guns matter Now all these lefties got crazy small bladders None of us wanted war but we're ready You know I be bopping and rock steady Liberty lockdown, please scan your barcode Your liberty ain't gone but yeah it's on hold Where did it come from and where did it go It requires a fight, not tweeting from your phone Don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne If you're riding with the thought you've always got a home The virus is scared of, will come and it'll go The government knows this, don't get treated like a hoe